This is The Thirst Tank, presented by Trap Brewing Company. Ideas kind of swing, and there's like a pendulum swing. And, and, and you, know, you know, for me, even, I think there's some things that are always timeless, but in some ways, you know, you, you, you have these, um, these creative lines, right? These kind of things that you want to, preoccupations that you want to explore. And at some point you kind of explore them and then you, you need to swing back the other way, right? And they kind of cycle around. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Thirst Time, the show that explores the journeys of some of the most creative minds in the craft beer industry today. Today, we've got another episode focused on the big old apple out there, New York. We interview Basil Lee, owner and founder of Finback Brewery. Now, if you follow track, you'll know that these guys have been friends of ours for a very long time now. We are in total awe of the beers they produce and what they do stylistically. Um, they're tap rooms, the can design, the beer itself. Yeah, they're a pretty full package. Now, he doesn't know necessarily exactly when craft beer came into his life, but it shaped it pretty massively. Um, it was great to sit down with him and talk all things the Finback journey. I think you're going to enjoy this one. So yeah, without further ado, you are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the Thirst Time. This is our interview with Basil Lee Finback. And we start with that all-important question, what was that first beer for him? That's a really tough one for me. Because I actually don't think I have one. Interesting. I really, I don't think that there's been, I've, I feel like there's very few moments in my life that have been as, as like a singular moment that have pivoted me or been instrumental, yeah. right? Um, I've, in terms of beer, I feel like I've always been interested in trying new beers and trying new things, you know? And, and so like, is there a pivotal moment where I tried a beer and it was like, oh, I want to open a brewery or start a brewery or, 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 or make beer or something? Like, I can't remember that. I mean, I, I remember moments where I can remember my first beer to some degree, right? Which was probably a Heineken because that's what my dad drank. And, you know, as a child where it was like, oh, you know, like this notion of beer, you know, I can remember. And these are all like non uh, things that made me want to open a brewery. But I do remember my first beer on a trip with my dad, like as an adult, right? And it was a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Classic. In China, though. So it was more the context of it. And at the time in a rural city in China, and it was served hot because it was summertime and there was no refrigeration. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was a memorable kind of beer moment. I remember, I remember, um, I remember thinking, right, as probably an underage beer drinker, wanting to try, at that point, I think craft would have been considered import in yeah. some ways. Trying, you know, good beer, you know, it was probably a Leffa yeah. or something. And like when I was, you know, a junior in high school or something, and that was probably like, you know, in some ways like, oh, I want to, like, I'm into beer. I want to try something good or something like that. And so there are these moments that aren't pivotal at all. Um but a choice that was pivotal, which is like you opening a brewery, which is like kind of crazy to be led into it in a very, very slow osmosis to get to the point of 
putting down your tools is what you were doing before, which we'll dive into, yeah. and to go into a brewery. So it's quite a slow growth into that. So where was the, there must have been a point where you were just getting further and further because you went into homebrew. Yeah. So you must have had something just start kind of percolating to, to yeah. get to that point. Yeah, I think the... Um... That wasn't uh, warm macro lager in China. <laughs> there was something a little bit more uh, yeah. in- intense experience. For sure. And those, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I think it was like, it was like a, it was a building over a couple of decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very, <laughs> my, you know, my pearls of wisdom are learned over very long, very long periods of time. time. Um, but so I was, um, I was always, and my family was in the restaurant business. So yeah. I was always kind of into eating and drinking. So I, I think that has been fundamental, right? Always into the kind of um, idea of cooking and sharing food and drink with family and friends and all of that. So I think that was always there. Um, I think I remember the first time I went to Hill Farmstead. I remember the first time, you know, things like that. But I wouldn't say any of those were, you know, pivotal pivotal moments in which it was like, oh, you know what? I want to do this. Um but it was just always like something I liked doing. And I think the moment, you know, homebrewing was super interesting and fun just because for me, the first time I homebrewed would be, it was more interesting that you could, you know, it kind of uncovering the process of beer, right? I think that you, you know, it's so easy. People kind of understand cooking. Right? So you, you were kind of coming from a reverse engineering point of view just like finished product and like wanted to work back and see the process yeah exactly that's that. true that's yeah. true right just it's like demystifying like yeah. you know this this product that seems i mean for someone who doesn't know how to make beer it seems relatively mystical mm-hmm. right that you've got this product that you know hopefully tastes good and has alcohol in it and, and all of this stuff and so in that sense home brewing was like a demystifying process it was also like an experimental creative thing. Like I think I've always liked cooking. And so the idea of making your own beer is a fun um, kind of uh, creative process, right? That you could make, you know, interesting beers. Um, I think I think homebrewing always, to me, fundamentally, at least for me, is about experimentation and, and, and adjuncting in yeah. some ways. Um, were you a, a, like a replication homebrewer or were you a just... Trying to cre- create crazy concoctions right from the off. Yeah. That were just one-offs that you would never replicate again. You were getting a Sierra Nevada and going, how do I create this? Yeah, definitely second. The latter. <laughs> I was not a uh, trying to brew, you know, the, 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 you know, hit something to style yeah. or hit something to, you know, to replicate or something. It was much more about like, oh, like what could we do that's weird or, 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 or unique or something? Um, yeah, so definitely the latter. And I and I would probably say I wasn't like that great of a home brewer. Honestly, I was, <laughs> I was. It was really just like a a pleasure, yeah, an enjoyment. Um, I think I I will say I think I'm very interested in process. Yeah, and I'm very interested in like evolution, right? And 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 to me, beer and brewing is like so so much about that, right? It is like um, for me. You know, I can say that what I did before was a, a creative industry um, and, and creativity is really what like drives me. But I think beer was so appealing because it was it was a, a creative kind of thing, but it was fast for the most part. You know, a couple of weeks, you know, maybe months, maybe a year or something, but relatively fast. 
And it was a product that was very like, very directly, you know, you, you drank it, you know, it was like, it, it was um, in a way like super simple and just very direct, right? Whereas designing a building is, takes a long time and then, and then goes through so many kind of constituencies and, and all of these things that it's like, I wanted something that would be much faster. And so making beer was this kind of outlet for doing that. Yeah. So just to give people a highlight, because that's so fascinating what you just said, you were an architect before yeah. Before you got into, into beer, which is really interesting because like it's just kind of touched on there. My friend who's an architect who's just say, you know, you have a project, but it's 10 years before you see it come to yeah. fruition. Yeah, yeah. I literally worked nine years before in architecture before opening the brewery. Wow. And did not see, I think before I left, completed maybe one building. Man, that's yeah. stressing me out thinking because my attention span is so small that the idea of waiting nine years to see something. I mean, obviously when it does, it's a huge, well, maybe it's not, maybe it's just a block <laughs> like in a lesser known part of New York or something. But, but yeah, that's a long turnaround time. So yeah. that, that fascination between a beer which can be out in 14 days or something to a, a building that you never even saw be built yeah, is really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for me, it's always been, beer's always been a pleasure. Yeah. You know, beer, I would say, you know, beer and food have always been a pleasure in my life. And I think that's, a. I mean, it should be a pleasure in everyone's lives, right? I feel like those are the most fundamental things, right? They are the context for all of the happy things in our human lives, right? Is eating and drinking, preferably with good, good friends. Um, and so in that sense, I think like, that's probably fundamentally why we wanted to open a beer, a brewery. Okay, so we've gone through the um, the home brewing start. Which were you doing that I, as an architect? You were just doing that with a couple of friends, or were you just doing that purely at home for personal consumption and just to see what you could create? Just with some friends. Yeah. Um, uh, my partner obviously was a home brewer as well. Yeah. And the the home brewing community in New York City was actually quite good and um, like a strong home brewing community. I'd say craft beer did not the craft beer kind of scene in New York city was quite late compared to other cities. We didn't really have any, you know, other than apart from like the kind of original pioneers um, of, of, of craft beer, you know, Brooklyn brewery, let's say, but this is, I would say at least a, maybe even two decades before, yeah, it was you know, pretty barren as, as a city as big as New York, it was pretty barren. At it that was, time. it yeah. was, you know, we had a couple of brew pubs and definitely some people that were pioneers in the early days, but there was probably a good 10 to 15 years between, you know, that first wave of breweries opening to, to our most current wave of breweries opening in New York city. Um, and so I think, I think because of that, you know, there was like a really strong homebrew scene. You know, there was like a good craft beer scene, but it was small. It was probably only a handful of bars, um, craft beer kind of focused bars for for quite a long time. Um, and and so I think it was um, kind of a yeah. So the the the, the kind of craft brewing the uh, homebrewing community. community in New York City was like a great community. Yeah, um, a lot of like sharing and learning and experimentation um and all of that kind of camaraderie and that's where you met 
Kevin, who is? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so I met Kevin. We So we've known each other for quite a long time. So yeah. we actually went to school in Massachusetts. Ah. Uh, so we met in school. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then we're both in New York. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It goes way back. Oh, yeah. So, but he was picking up the homebrew thing as well. Were you kind of doing this in, in parallel at the same time? Or did you know that he was kind of... No, he, he was a homebrew before I was. Okay. And he was a much better homebrewer. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so I would say I, you know, I came on, you know, he probably homebrewed for a good, I don't know, many years before we opened the brewery. Yeah. And then he probably really kind of introduced me to it in, in, in some ways, like actually brewing and, and homebrewing. And it, it's so cool. I guess that like the, the formation of these things is always super interesting to me because your background is architecture. You've got a keen eye for design. Kevin's also, was he trained to be or was a designer? He was a graphic designer already graphic working designer. in New York. Another huge part of the of the beer world. So, okay, let's, there's lots I want to get to, but we should probably skip forward to the, 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 the formation of Finback. When did you come to the point where you're like, we should do this? We should do this on a commercial scale. Where did the name come from? Yeah. How did it all like, come and form and, and, and come together to be what it is now. Yeah. So I, uh, and maybe my, just like my earlier answer, I feel like, and maybe I have a really terrible memory. I think that's also <laughs> part of this issue, which is that, um, you know, there, I can't remember the pivotal moment, but it was after homebrewing. Okay. It was, you know, after being part of that, um, kind of homebrew community and doing fun kind of informal competitions and things and, and I, but I can't remember whose idea it was, whether it was mine or Kevin's or who asked what or whatever. But at some point, I think, um, I think it was like, oh, you know, this is, this is, this is an amazing thing. We love beer, making beer. We love making beer in New York City. There weren't that many breweries. I think at the time, you know, between Kevin, myself and other friends of ours, you know, we were participating in, as a consumer, you know, going to festivals and and going to breweries and visiting breweries and doing kind of travel to see breweries and everything. And so I feel like it was like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this all the time and have it in New York City and, and actually have our our lives kind of devoted to doing this in New York City? Um, and so that was that was kind of it. It was like, oh, let's should we open a brewery in New York? Um, and it was that it was kind of that um, in some ways that you know, a kind of nonchalant. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, for me, I found it really appealing because A, I knew I wanted to stay in New York, you know, B, I had a, I just loved this kind of eating, drinking, hospitality thing. Um, and then, and then the big piece is like, I wanted to make something that was super tangible and quick, you know, yeah. and, and I loved my old job and I loved what I did. And I still, and I still try to like work in design and in, 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 in that in some form. But I felt like beer was that, like, you know, thinking about putting together a small business and 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 having the creativity of package design and label design and recipe design and and then trying to make a, you know, kind of space for it in New York City was super appealing, mm-hmm. right? Something that was like very much immediate and tangible, like make a beer, share it with people. If it's good, great. You can keep improving on it. If it's not so good whatever you can keep improving on it and so that was really appealing and when those early days was were you guys brewing 
everything that you were putting out or did you kind of put together the project and hire people that you felt could achieve what you wanted to from the off or was it very hands-on? It, it was very hands-on. And I, in, uh, I'm very proud of what we've done. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm also very, um, happy and what's, you know, kind of fortunate for, for where we've, um, ended up. But looking back, I would say, you know, there were two, two pieces that were going our way. Um, I think one, we, we kind of opened the brewery at just the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, which was, which was 2013, really 2000. Yeah. I think it was end of 2013. Okay, we probably so got our beer first 10 year years out. next year. Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. We, we had the idea to open in 2011. It took us two years to open the brewery uh, in New York city. We thought we'd be open earlier, but it, it took, took a little bit of time. Um, but I think, I think, um, it was opening at the right time and, and the other was just kind of a, um, a, a naive, you know, passion mm-hmm. that kind of drove us through, you know, I feel like knowing what we know now, we probably should never have opened a brewery at all. <laughs> um, I think every brewer, says you know, yeah, <laughs> every business owner. Um, but we, you know, we, we did everything on our own. You know, I remember the first, I, Kevin had worked at some breweries um, before, before kind of opening a brewery. So he at least had some degree of, you know, exposure to a commercial scale brewery, but I had never worked at a brewery prior to opening. And so I went from home brewing to brewing, you know, with the assistance, obviously, or with the knowledge of, of, of Kevin and other people. Um, but it was just the two of us doing everything in the beginning. Um, and we, we brewed the beer. We, we had to end up selling the beer, which I had never sold beer before that. I'd never even sold anything. Sales is not my strong point for that matter. Um, never sold beer, never delivered beer. So we drove the trucks. We ran, we worked in the tap room. So there were very long weeks. Wow. Early days. And what was it, what was the feeling? Was, was the, was it pure excitement or was, were you just like, well, we've bitten off more than we can chew here? Or was, cause you've gone from, you know, a, a, a good job, you know, what people strive to achieve. You, you've got to that place and suddenly you're, you know, with Kevin trying to do things that you've never done before, grinding it out in New York to try and produce beer that you're proud of and deliver beer that you're proud of. All of these things, uh, you know, when you get into it, uh, they, they take time, they take a lot of effort. I might say it's long weeks. So was there any sense of regret then or was it pure excitement? Pure excitement. No regret whatsoever. Um, I, I, I mean, they were definitely difficult moments, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I feel like, you know, memory has a, you know, wonderful way of smoothing over the difficult moments. And you kind of, you know, you kind of uh, look back and I look back extremely fondly about everything, but it was, it was amazing. It was awesome. You know, I felt like it was, um, it was like a wonderful time so and I, yeah, it really was. And I, and I, and I think that, and, and going back to this idea of timing and opening the brewery at the right time, I think that. You know, I will say, I think that we, you know, I, 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 I don't want people to think that it was just on a whim that we were opening a brewery, right? I mean, I think we, 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 by the time we truly made the decision to want to open the brewery, there were already time and effort, you know, put in to make sure that we could, we could open yeah. and make good beer and, and run a small business, right? 
Um, and then, and so certainly, you know, we were, we weren't just, you know, waking up one day and be like, oh, let's just do this. And, and that's it. Right. So we did put in some work and, and, and preparation to try to make it, you know, successful. Um, but the timing I think is, is, was so important in that at that time we hit it where the idea of opening a craft brewery in New York city was still pretty new. And so the community was really supportive of it. Um, and I would say that we, as well as the other few breweries that opened around that time, you know, were really supported by the community in that I thought the first three beers we brewed were superb, you know, but looking back, they certainly weren't. Um, and, and yet, you know, I think that bars and restaurants were still supportive and, and, and we were, I think, at least bright enough to know that we would have to keep improving. And New York City had that kind of quality, right? It was highly, um, the feedback loop is really fast in New York, right? If you don't do well, people are not going to respond. And so I think for all of us, it was like, okay, we always have to push ourselves. And New York City, and, and, and I mean for Finback, but also for the other breweries that opened at the time, you know, caught up really fast and would, would constantly kind of improve. And so within a matter of six or eight months, and I know this is, this is kind of a bit of a pat on our, you know, collective backs, but I want to say New York City, you know, became an important beer place, beer wow. location. In that, that amount of time, just yeah. that. Yeah, I would say within, within a year. Obviously, you know? the other half are kind of a similar time to oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Would, yeah. And what they did, I mean, obviously phenomenal, right? Yeah. But, I, but I, I think part of the same process, of course, you know, I feel like, um, you know, everyone has their own trajectory, but I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a similar parallel path. And I think mm-hmm. other half did a great job. Right. And of really putting New York City on the map and all of that. Well, it's kind of crazy. And this is the beauty, I guess, of the beer world. New York, when you go there, for anyone that has been or hasn't been, the scale just feels crazy. Like everything just feels so far away from each other. I remember just getting like 45 minute Ubers to get to one place to the other. Very similar to London in that respect. But the connection between breweries is super tight. And was that something that happened straight from the off that as soon as one was emerging, you wanted to support each other because you felt that actually this undercurrent of producing good beer and kind of being young and vibrancy was was something to push forward together? Yeah, I think it, it really was. I think it probably came from the homebrew community. I yeah. think at the early days, we we probably, you know, the first handful of breweries, everyone knew everyone, you know, and probably knew everyone relatively before they even opened. And so there were no breweries that were opening that were kind of like um, that didn't have some connection to the homebrew or, or you know, working at a brew pub or whatever it is in the city. So it was all like relatively a small world and small community, very accessible, you know, and I feel like, um, you know, it, it's it's it came so naturally, I think, for everyone. But it's interesting to think that, like, you know, New York City is has the reputation of being a very competitive place, which it is. But it also, you know, I do think that the the the, the beer community, um, craft beer community, especially back then, was so tight, mm-hmm. you know, and open and all of that. And so I feel like, um, yeah, from from day one, it was well, very supportive. New York's been such a feature of this podcast. I like without me really realizing it. Yeah, there's been other half. There's been you guys. There's been Corey was the second person who was BK. Yep. Beer guy, that Brooklyn beer guy, was yep. it at, at that time? 
Um, so what were you noticing from, you know, that we've kind of talked about the brewery side of things that was a lot of people in the homebrew, but what about the consumer side of things? Were people just getting behind this, like right from the off, they want to support you as a business. They wanted good beer in their city. How was that kind of feeling? Going? Yeah. And were you packaging into cans straight away or were you just doing kegs for bars? Yeah. So we, um, we were not packaging probably for, I can't remember now, maybe eight months to a year. So it was keg only. We actually didn't, we, we originally wanted the taproom to open when we opened the brewery, but we were so delayed in construction and everything. We opened the, the brewery first and the taproom didn't get finished for another five or six months. Um, so we actually were keg only and, and, and self-distribution only into bars, um, bars and restaurants. Um, I think that, you know, and again, looking back, right, you know, and it's, 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 of course, like hindsight is twenty twenty. but I think that like, there were, there were a, a bunch of things that were happening that were positive for the, to, to kind of bring about the success of the craft beer community in New York City. You know, one, I think is, um, there was a law that was changed, you know, in terms of our licensing. Um, so it wasn't like kind of, you know, official until maybe even a year or around the same year we were, we opened where you could um, have tap rooms and, and, and serve, you know, full pints of beer for people. So that was obviously very important. Um, I think the other things that were happening is that New York City, you know, had this handful of craft beer bars that, 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 that kind of OG pioneers of like bringing craft beer to the city. Um, but there were kind of at that same time around when we were opening, there were more of them. Um, Torst, I think, probably opened relatively close to that time. Um, and I think that just the acceptance of like, or, or the, the outlets for craft beer in the city were beginning to grow. Yeah. Um, and I think that all of those types of outlets also like were part of the community and wanted to have local breweries and wanted to have local beer. And so I think kind of all these things kind of came together where it was just primed. And so consumers, you know, had an outlet and had a way to, to kind of access it. And I think that people, there were a lot of, I mean, there are, were a lot of like passionate beer people that would travel for beer or trade beer or all these things. Well, I guess you, you're on the East coast, like Vermont is, you know, it's far away, but four or five hours drive or something yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah. there was a lot happening. And that, was that feeding down into New York beer culture at that time? Was, was everything that you were kind of aiming around to be, you know, in the, in the footprint of Alchemist and those kind of things. Basically, were you producing Hazy IPAs straight from the off or were you kind of settling for different things at that time? Yeah, it's, you know, we were not producing Hazy. I mean, we produced... We, I, I guess we were producing... We produced Hazy IPAs straight from, from the start, but I feel like they were... You know, I, I couldn't say that... I wouldn't, you know, say that they were the same versions of Hazy IPAs that we would ultimately evolve ourselves to create you know what i mean i feel like you know we i think at that time alchemist and hetty topper was already like a seminal kind of beer right but it was especially if i look at it now and kind of look at a an assessment like i feel like it was it was super unique super important super pivotal but also like in retrospect right like i think in the context of where kind of hazy beers have evolved do we look at that as such a big thing. You know what I mean? I feel like at the time, you know, we didn't, I don't think, I don't know when, but I don't think the term hazy IPA was used 
to describe Hetty Topper for that, you know, for really example. New England time. IPA? New England IPA, for yeah. sure. But it was more like these qualities, right? Mouthfeel, yeah. juiciness or fruitiness or whatever it might be. And so I think those qualities were what we were looking for. Um, not necessarily like haze as its own kind of standalone yeah. feature, um, but more the kind of things around it. And I will, and, and you know, and I don't know, maybe I'll get like, maybe this, this, this will be like, you know, um, you know, like a little bit of a, of an unromantic look at it, but I think Hayes also had to do with process, mm-hmm. right? So it was, it was a result of how we made our beers, right? That filtration, there was like a certain philosophy about filtration or a certain kind of philosophy about, you know, these things about what to do to your beer in a way um, that would, that would traditionally, you know, take Hayes away, but, but, a philosophy about not doing those things, right? To keep beer in, in this kind of craft sense, like, you know, a bit more like um, direct in the, in the production process. And so at that time, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have even, I don't think we even started using those words for, for at least, you know, within maybe a year or so. And I get so excited, like talking about this because it feels like that, just that preemptive where everything was so new and fresh and different and, I guess exciting because no one's defined anything. Processes are still yeah, being experimented right. with. You know, it's kind of crazy to me to think of you guys not brewing really hazy New England IPAs straight from the off. But obviously this, the time that you were doing this is it's very fresh. It's very new. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of these terms that we just take for granted now that people put on cans and we put on cans or whatever haven't been explored yet. Yeah. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time, and this is our interview with Basil Lee. So, to take us back to those early recipes, what was it that you were kind of trying to achieve? Were hoppy beers, you know, the thing that you wanted to produce, or was it stouts, or was it lagers, or what, what was drawing you in? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of the, the, the let's, you know, we, <laughs> it's funny, the first three beers we produced was um, an IPA, a wit beer, and and this I thought was kind of radical, but was a smoked porter. Wow. Uh, those were the three, the first three beers we brewed. Um, but in terms of IPAs, I would say at the time, at least me personally, I would probably be at that time equally, if not more influenced by West Coast, West Coast IPAs than New England or, or this idea of hazy IPAs. Right. I think that that especially if you think, of, you know, if I look back at like homebrew or things that I was searching out, it was predominantly more West Coast style IPAs than it would have been anything else. Right. Um, and I felt like they were, you know, if you especially if you think, you know, kind of the the definition of what craft beer was at that time outside of, you know, the kind of Vermont, you know, northern New England thing i feel like it was predominantly like west coast type breweries uh anyways um and so i would say our first although it was hazy our first ipa was probably more left coast leaning right in terms of like ibu ibus in terms of like what hops were being used and stuff like that i feel like it was probably more left coast leaning um i think that over time you know for us i think mouthfeel was really important i think like you know i i remember having a conversation 
with a tr- more, you know, a, a brewer friend that worked at a large brewery. And, it, and I could I can trace our conversations back, you know, from five years before we opened a brewery about beer to three years before we opened a brewery to two years after we opened a brewery. And just hearing his evolution of what he thought was proper yeah. in terms of brewing. Um, and I thought that was super fascinating, right? Because I would always be like, oh, no, no, this is this is good. This is fine. Look at this. It's kind of pretty. You know, the haze is nice. And it was and it was an amount of haze at that time that was much lower than the amount of haze or turbidity we see now yeah. or, or, or uh, you know, especially there's a moment where I feel like it, it was like this haze craze where it was like the more turbid, the better. Right. Yeah. And it was much less than that. And yet, you know, they saw he saw it as um, somewhat of a flaw. Right. And some of it was to some degree based on our process and our equipment and our and our, you know, some of it was was intentional. Some of it, some of it was a byproduct of just how we made beer. Right. And he saw it as somewhat of a flaw. Um, and and I, you know, and I and I understand that. But then slowly these perspectives really changed, especially as, you know, the the kind of style officially was being defined. Um, and so I thought that was a really interesting thing. You know, but for, for us, I think that there was a move away. And I feel like this is how, you know, and even now taking a, a broader viewpoint, I think that like I, I believe that there's always, you know ideas kind of swing and there's like a pendulum swing and 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 you know you know for me even i think there's some things that are always timeless but in some ways you know you 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 have these um these creative lines right these kind of things that you want to preoccupations that you want to explore and at some point you kind of explore them and then you, you need to swing back the other way right and they kind of cycle around um and so i think you know you, you and 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 thinking back to like a West Coast IPA and that like there was an IBU kind of frenzy for a moment, right? Like that was a real thing. And in some ways, I almost see like the haze and and the kind of softer, more pillowy, more fruity kind of thing is is to some degree a moving away from that, right? It's like, oh, you know, hey, this, these beers are too bitter. These beers are too this, too that, right? Too aggressive. And, and then slowly you get this evolution of like, hey, maybe we should not do that like sometimes change happens just by virtue of the 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 kind of creativity of being different right and so then i feel like that created this kind of momentum towards like hey what what are the things that you know define east coast beers or what are the things that are you know from a flavor palette mouthfeel kind of standpoint that we want to do that's different or interesting and pleasant and pleasurable yeah i think there's always this this notion maybe in anything where when anything's new, people always just want to push it to the extreme. And then actually the, the sweet spot is when you dial it back a bit. Yeah, right. So when, I don't know, when Stone create West Coast IPA and they just load the bitterness like there's no tomorrow and people yeah. are just like drinking it almost, I mean, I'm kind of speaking out of turn here, but like drinking it through almost painful bitterness. Right, right. But, but that also brought people to understand, you know, by on the palate that bitterness actually does drive a really nice part of drinking yeah. beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just finding the sweet spot. Same with like, you know, New England IPAs where people just push sweetness yeah. and zero bitterness to the point where there's just no uh, hot side addition. Yeah. But actually, you know, these things do balance to create a really pleasurable drinking experience yeah, if you just absolutely. get the right mix of them. Um, and, and also, I mean, it's preference, isn't it? Some people might really like that extreme bitterness and some people might really like that extreme sweetness 
So do you remember kind of those early conversations back and forth about process that you were having with, with Kevin in the brew house? And, and how long was it just you guys there? When, when was the first kind of time you realized that actually you might need to, to get someone else involved? And was that for brewing or was that for just like logistics? Yeah, I can't, um, I can't remember who our first, our first employee, first hire was honestly, but I want to say it was probably, we probably were going by ourselves for at least five or six months. And I want to say the first hire was, um, someone to help in the tap room, right? Cause I, th- I think that was probably our first hire. And then they're probably like, you know, our second. So maybe, you were you know, two people and then you opened the tap room and then we opened the tap room. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then we had a buddy of ours um, who worked as a brewer opening his own brewery or planning on opening his own brewery. And so I think he was probably our second hire, which is like, hey, you know, there's like an interim, which is like, you know, come help us while you're working on your own brewery. Um, and so that was probably our second hire, I want to say, maybe. Um, yeah, so we were two of us for, I don't know, maybe at least five or six months. And then we were probably only three or four people, maybe, you know, for for at least the first year. So it was a pretty small operation. You know, if you if you've ever been to our brewery, you know, and it's kind of funny because I I I, I remember thinking that it was almost like um it's like Batman, like Bruce Wayne Castle or whatever, where it's just like it was this giant space because we were in the middle of nowhere, Queens. Um, and it was a big space and barely had heat. And so for the first year, it was like Kevin and I and and the amount of tanks and equipment we had took up maybe a a fifth, you know, a sixth of the of the brewery. The so taproom was just, wasn't just open. Just space. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Which, as you grow as a brewery, you realize is such a luxury. Oh yeah, we were there. very lucky with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that you know we were in Glendale, uh, off the beaten path in Queens, and at first it was like, gosh, what if what if what is this place? Where where are we? But it was uh, it. You know, in ret- retrospect, like we were very fortunate. It was perfect. It gave us all this room to grow. It was a great neighborhood that supported us. And and so it was kind of, um, you know, I feel like luck has a lot to do with things working out, mm-hmm. you know. And for me, like Finback has such a strong brand, like Kevin's done an amazing job on, on the design side. Did that feel like it came pretty quick or was that a very slow process into into getting where you were happy with it and it felt like Finback had arrived at, at, at where it could grow from? I think it came, I mean, I think it came relatively quickly. I mean, I think because we both had creative backgrounds, we knew, you know, from day one, we wanted to have a strong identity and, 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 and we also putting aside the kind of, you know, good business sense of, of, of branding and identity and, and visuals and all of that. I think for us, we just both have a passion for, aesthetics um and kind of like the design process so i think it came pretty quickly right in terms of designing um logos and 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 labels and all of those things and i think and we still very much enjoy that aspect of the business i think like you know to me i think you know the first cans we did were so much fun because it's the first kind of physical thing you can hold right like you can you can so cool when you first do that yeah, absolutely, Can right? Be. Like, you know, beer is great, but when it when it's poured on draft at a bar, you know, they all look the same mm-hmm. in some ways and and so you're you're kind of you know, the interaction with the brand is is harder at that point, right? But when you have a, your first can and 
and tap rooms, you know, for us also, like our, our tap rooms are relatively simple. Our first tap room was very much like, you know, very, very spare and, 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 you know, had a constrained budget, for example, but, but we did try to make it into a space that, you know, we kind of looked at very simple, like a gallery space, which I think at that time for tap rooms was relatively unique or innovative, right? Like, like it wasn't, we didn't want to be a traditional tap room looking thing. It wanted to be look more like a gallery. We had big white walls that we had art shows on early days, right? And kind of connecting our our past to, you know, our passion to this new business. Um, and so things like that were really, um, I would say they, they came early days, but it was because we just really liked doing it. And how was the tap room received when you you finally got that, that piece of the puzzle open? Because finally you've got a real um, connection to the consumer and that feedback chain becomes even quicker. Yeah. So I imagine you had some pretty... What's beautiful as well is people really do generally, I find, really want to support small business. When there's something new and exciting on the doorstep, they want to get behind it. Did you feel that love straight from the off or was it a little bit harder? Oh, no, we we did. It was great. I mean, certainly, you know, opening week is is always great, right? Yeah. People just, they want to they wanna come, come see what you're doing and check everything out. Um, we, because of the location, we really, you know, we... And, and at that time, you know, when we were looking for space, we didn't realize just how challenging it would be. Um, but also we were very, you know, we, we, we didn't know what the future would hold. We had a small budget, you know, and, and, and we were very conservative with our decision making. Um, and so in the, in the end, that was our biggest challenge. We, it took us almost a year and a half to find a space for that matter. And, and, and looking back, obviously, it's like, oh, I wish we took, any of the 50 spaces we saw before this one because they would have all been, you know, great deals in the end. Um, but, but it was like, oh, we can't afford that. Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. And so we found this space that was a bit further out in a neighborhood we didn't know much about. Um, but it was, the rent was cheaper and it was double the size of, of anything else we saw. So, and, and, and it was a decent, like the bones of it were really good. And we we're like, this is the perfect space for us to grow in. Um, Let's let's set up our shop here, um, but we weren't sure because it was a bit off the beaten path what that yeah. would mean, and so we were like, okay, we've still got to make this all work. Um, if the tap room does great, great, but if it doesn't, you know, we'll we'll, we'll self distribute and all of that. Um, and so we didn't have like any preconceived notions about the tap room, um, and and at that time, tap rooms were relatively new in New York City. There weren't that many, um, but I think in some ways the the challenges ended up being. Um, kind of benefits for us, you know, because I think that it was a it was a big tap room, you know, it was a big space for the most part. I mean, relatively speaking, um, for New York City. I um, mean, so it allowed people to come in and like make it a destination. It allowed people to come in and hang out and, and have a comfortable space to hang out in. Um, and I think it was almost like a, a, a journey a bit. You know, I feel like sometimes, especially at that time, it was almost like a, a pleasure to seek out you know, to make, to, to take the challenge of, of finding that brewery, you know, somewhere far away. Um, and so I think in some ways it, it, it worked out for us. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely, you know, it's uh, early days. It was like unknown and unsure and all of that, but, but. And you but were in a, like rallied. say you're in a residential part of Queens, but the residents aren't necessarily craft beer drinkers around that part of Queens. Yeah. And um, I remember just coming and I was like, Oh, this is, it's just such a fascinating neighborhood, especially yeah. from like an English point of view. 
I was just like, okay, this is in a really different space. Yeah. And I, and I, I would say, you know, you know, it's, it's, I look back very, you know, now talking to you, I, I feel like I look back very fondly in that we were a lot of the things that would be considered challenging in the end, you know, from a fortunate standpoint, I feel like worked out really well. I feel like, yes, it was not a traditionally, I, I, I can't imagine like a craft beer drinking population. Um, but I think that people had open minds. You know, I think a lot of people in the early days came in not even knowing that we were a craft brewery and 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 not having any of this um, just from the neighborhood, like kind of craft beer, you know, like brewery hunter kind of yeah. mentality. And they would be like, oh, what do you have that's like a Stella or whatever, right? And, and things like that. And, it's, and at first you're like cringing and it's like so painful that, you know, it, that, 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 you know, you're like, ah, you know, we're a craft brewery. Why, you know, that question is so offensive. But on the other hand, I feel like, in fact, not the case at all, yeah. right? I feel like that that those were some of those early customers were kind of open minded and drank our beer, and now they're some of the most kind of you know critical or or, or maybe not critical is the right word, but just like fervent craft beer drinkers ever, and 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 those are the kinds of people that I think like are the most important customers, right? Yeah, and it's um, really cool that you kind of started your journey together, really. Yeah, right. You right. know, like you're introducing them to something totally new. You're still being introduced to things that are totally new to you. I think that's the thing that people sometimes forget about being a brewery is that it's been quite interesting these last interviews I've done, learning that people were trying to replicate beers that they'd never drank before. Yeah. Like the idea of a beer. Yeah. But that at that time when maybe there wasn't as big a, I don't know, homebrew groups on online and it was all kind of new. That's what you do. You might see a photo of something like, oh, how does that happen? Like, how do we do that? Yeah. And I guess that's where all of that young excitement comes from because you're trying to replicate things and you're trying to pioneer and do new things. Was there any early beer that you really felt hit up, like set you on a different bar to, to other breweries or were you just happy with the gentle evolution of what you were producing i think i mean i think we were at least if i compare ourselves to some of the earlier breweries that opened around that time um what i felt like really or what we kind of established as like what we were about or interested in was to to you know we were very much like coming from a kind of design process world right and so we were interested in looking at ingredients and and a creative use of ingredients and so in that sense i think that set us apart where we didn't necessarily set out to make the best ipas or or necessarily you know we weren't infatuated with yeast for example like there wasn't a specific um part of the brewing process that we were interested in other than the fact that we wanted to really look at flavor and creativity of ingredient use um and and so that was kind of i feel like what um kind of drove our initial um, kind of um, ethos of, of making beers. I think that um, early days, I would say the thing that kind of I felt like was pivotal um, was our like kind of wood and, and sour program. Interesting. And it was something that we really wanted to develop and do. And we actually started filling barrels early, early days, you know, um, and 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 tried to start building up some you know sour barrel stock and and blending stock and things mm-hmm. like that, and I think it it actually 
took a while to to wrangle that probe and actually took us probably years and ultimately um um kind of asking one of our head brewer one of our brewers at the time to kind of like take over the program and, and have someone dedicated to it that it really has kind of um made that program shine now mm-hmm. but i remember the first one of the first kind of you know beers that i was super just excited about was this um smoked plum sour beer um and it was like lightly smoked we were you know we were kind of looking for these interesting combinations of barrel and a touch of smoke and fruit and acid and everything that was like super fun to me mm-hmm. you know and it was also a process in terms of you know time and and all of that and 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 also trying to like really at that time you know read about and learn as much as you can i mean drinking sour beers was was a pleasure at that time but you know trying to get that knowledge and 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 listening to podcasts even or whatever it might be um to learn about sour beers i feel like that was like a a kind of um kind of you know fun process for me in terms of looking at innovating something yeah well, it's really, I guess that harks back to those early days of just uh, of food and drink being the main primary kind of focus for you. That balance of flavor and how you introduce those flavors into actual beer. And then you see someone drink it. And I guess that's the beauty of a tap room as well, where you can see people respond and be like, wow, taste this. You, yeah. know, it's the, you get the plum and you get the smokiness. So we've kind of traveled through your journey as a business owner and as a brewer. Um, you kind of settled outside of you. You stepped away from the brewing side of things pretty early on, or or a couple of years in, or yeah. So I I would say, um, you know, co-owner Kevin, he was always kind of more the um, production side. Yeah. In the early days, just because it was two of us, we did everything together. Yeah. Um, but I probably, you know, was always a kind of assistant role to him in the brewing side there was a moment where at some point he did all the brewing and i did all all the other grunt work actually (laughs) um uh but but yeah i think over time we felt you know i think early days we really did like the idea and some of it is you know i'm not going to lie it was it was we opened a brewery because we love visiting breweries and going to festivals and meeting brewers and, and and all of that and visiting breweries and so early days, we we tried to integrate a lot of that into what we did. Um, and so we did try to do festivals and collaborations and and all of that. So I think we we tried to um, keep that kind of aspect of the business going and 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 not become too kind of inward looking. Um, and so I think over time, you know, it just kind of naturally. Um, we I stepped away from production aspects and then over time as we were able you know I think Kevin also kind of stepped away from day to day you know kind of brewing um and so that we could we could uh continue kind of evolving the other aspects yeah which is which it's evolved into many different uh, we always chat about this every time we see each other but you've got Finback Farm you've got Brooklyn uh, Tap Room and Brewery and Coffee Roaster and Spirits uh you've got a soon-to-be long island tap room opening with a little brewery in it you've got your queen site any more am, am i missing any ones there we make coffee you make coffee yeah and we've got halftone which makes spirits yeah um yeah i mean i i you know i feel like 
beer is is the core of what we do and and making beer and brewing beer is is um like still our kind of fundamental identity um but i i will say certainly for me um but i think for kevin as well and and even for other people at the brewery i think that like the idea is more kind of expressing these kinds of flavors and 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 creative recipes and things like that through alcohol or yeah. through beverage i guess maybe in a broader and space yeah. is what i'm really interested in you know and and i think like we we like drinking coffee we like drinking mezcal we like drinking gin and and so trying to bring all of those pieces together in terms of whether it's working with others or 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 doing it ourselves is what i find really interesting in the business um and i and and i and and a word kind of keeps you know popping up is a couple of uh, kind of words that i feel like i use to define ourselves now is kind of like a a creative platform in a way like and i think here even having a conversation with you is is part of that right i think i think that they're they're kind of just like various medium to like channel your creative energies and so the idea of making beer or, or, or sour beer is to me similar to you know coming up with interesting gins or 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 coffee roasting i mean the coffee roasting came about just because we were brewing with coffee a lot and so we wanted to you know we we also love drinking coffee but yeah. we were brewing with coffee so often that we just wanted to um learn more about it and be able to kind of control the roasting process in terms of um trying to roast for ourselves for the for the beers um and we were and i will certainly say that we were very lucky and fortunate that we were able to kind of um take on these other projects and 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 have the kind of you know a bit of a bit of success with the beer where we could say hey let's also do this um and we could we could kind of venture into some of these things and that to me is my my favorite part of this business is that we'd love to be able to keep kind of building off of the beer but but making just um kind of interesting creative outlets for 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 engaging people you know and, and creating spaces where we can hang out and, and drink things together and eat things together now i always like to kind of get the projections of how people see the next five years in beer from a personal standpoint or as from a, a wider standpoint we haven't really touched on the the politics really of what's gone on in the last few years and something that we're you know we're all very aware of um but how do you see a brewery's role in the next five years? And if you feel that maybe that's too broad a brush, how do you feel like Finback's role in the next five years and, and the development of, of you as a brand goes? You can answer either. They're two <laughs> different questions, really, but whichever one you want to choose. So, yeah, yeah with the first one, it was kind of a bit more um, social kind yeah. of question. Um, I think that, you know, maybe maybe speaking a little bit more industry specific i mean i think that the the, at least you know and i don't know what people would call it but i kind of feel like we are part of this kind of third wave of craft beer in in the u.s um and i think that that wave is now beginning to mature right and i think that the market and 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 breweries and consumers um have really kind of it feels like the past couple of years have really shifted things and I think some of those things bring new challenges, but I think a lot of those things are actually quite positive in that I think that as a consumer, at least, I think this is a wonderful time for craft beer. I, I, the amount of choice and 
coupled with quality right now is probably, you know, unprecedented. You know, I think getting good beer and accessibility to good beer um, and, and great spaces to drink it um, is, is, is super high right now. So I think in terms of the next five years, I think that's a good thing. And I think, you know, making it, you know, on the one hand, I think it's really great that craft beer was and, and is like a special thing in some ways, a niche thing. But I also think that it becoming a bit more kind of normal or accessible is a good thing, right? I think that for for me, on the one hand, there's something nice that you have to, you know, there was a moment where you had to travel for beer and kind of make an effort. Um, for now, I think it's nice that, you know, our goal is to reach people and to hopefully, you know, have, you know, we we're, when we're excited about things, we want to share them with people, right? And we want people to try them. So I think over the next five years, I think it's going to be to to continue making our beer, you know, really great and 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 unique, but also much more engaging and to a to a wider audience, I think, and finding ways to do that, whether that's new tap rooms or or trying to do things, you know, at the farm or whatever it might be, and just kind of like really honing our sense of um how we can connect with people and make engaging experiences with people. I think from a social standpoint, I think breweries have always been kind of social, right? I think craft craft breweries, um, I think They've always been driven by this kind of relationship, strong relationship with their their local communities, right? I think that taproom culture is very much driven by that. I think even if you think about like, you know, kind of more hype craft breweries, like the, the idea of trading and line culture and all these things fundamentally are driven by community, right? They're fundamentally, I think, certainly people love the beer and the beer is super important, but I think that like fundamentally it's about people who have a good time communing with other people. And, and spending time with other people, right? And sharing the beer. I think that's that's the kind of like real kind of, um, you know, thing that, that the people enjoy. And so I think there's always like this kind of social role for breweries. I think how that, you know, how active people um, and breweries, you know, take in that, I think that's probably a, um, for each brewery to kind of decide, you know? And I think that for us, you know, I feel that the ethos of Finback is, is super important. You know, we did a project called Breathing Conversations um, that was super important to us. And, and, and I think if I were to pare it down, it was just fundamentally about having hopefully, you know, honest and insightful conversations between brewers on important topics. Um, and I think that that is something we're still very much wanting to engage in um, and kind of, you know, I think I think we... Uh, we, 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 we still do um, in many ways. We haven't had a breathing conversations in a little bit, but and maybe that's a good time for us to, to get something on the book soon. Um, <clears throat> but I think that, you know, for us, the last couple of years have really been um, an interesting time. I think, you know, our, our brewery has mirrored very much what's happened, you know, in society as a whole, right? I think we've all seen just the various social movements that have been, been happening and and a lot of the you know, generally, I feel like conversations and discussions, some of them I feel like maybe, you know, the conversations that happen on in, in social media are sometimes maybe too um, more screaming at each other than about nuanced discussion with each other, uh, which is maybe a little bit challenging. Um, but I do think people are much more engaging, engaged, at least to, and hopefully they're, they're productive conversations. Um, but I feel like people are, you know, the, the issues are out there, right? And I think for us, the question is how we can best um, try to live 
you know, I think like like a like a responsible, you know, and and I guess this is you know the the brewery is not me, right? And I, and that's actually really important. Like I don't want you know whether that's uh, about these issues, which are you know kind of heavy, um, or even just you know the beer. Like I think maybe just a quite quick tangent. Like for me, the brewery Finback. Like I really want to build a brewery that is. Um, like a, a a platform for this kind of collective creative project, right? Like, and, and and I look at it, you know, a little bit in terms of what I used to do and, and this kind of idea of like a design studio where it's never about one person or it should never be about one person, right? It really is about um, allowing voices to kind of come through in my mind. And ideally we can do that, hopefully. Um, and I think that in some ways, thinking about the brewery as this kind of, entity is that there isn't one voice um but i but i think how we engage kind of social issues is going to be important and i don't think we have an answer right now for me you know i feel like there's certainly things that you can do and there was a you know breathing conversations the reason we wanted to do it was we were trying to come up with a way to to engage beyond just making a donation to something right which i think that breweries do actually very well you know i think that breweries you know, and, and maybe in a in a simplistic sense, like I feel like a lot of events and things like that want beer, right? Whether they're you know to to to, to just have a party or a fundraiser or this or that, and so I feel like there's always this like natural you know thing where people want beer donations or things like that, or or just literal just donations to causes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, it was like, okay, how can we be a little bit more you know engaging than just writing a check? And so that was kind of how I think breathing conversations came about. And I think now going forward, I think it's still very, um, it's something we think about a lot, which is how we can, you know, continue to engage in kind of effective ways um, in our, and, 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 and even more so now I feel like in our, you know, especially our kind of local scale communities. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll see. I don't know if that was specific <laughs> enough, but no, it's beautiful. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, it's a big question. Um, and people tackle it in a, a variety of different ways. If you look back at the journey that Finback's been, and if you were to talk to Basil, who was just there in that brewery, just starting up full of excitement, is there any wisdom that you bestow on him that you've learned? Just, just a short little snap that you that you would pass on I think um I think the wisdom I would say to myself would be you know hurry up in some ways I think that like you know I I'm always you know and I and I I think that we all you know things take a long time especially to do anything well right and it takes such you know kind of thoughtfulness and care and all of that and I do think that there's um sometimes though I feel like you know, time is always of the essence and, and, and just like always kind of just jumping in and tackling things, I think is important. Um, not to say that you shouldn't do these things thoughtfully and, and, and methodically. Um, but I think like, you know, just going for things is really important. I mean, I think in terms of, and I, and I, I feel like almost a little cheesy for saying this, but, you know, I feel so fortunate. Right. And so the, the wisdom has been that I feel like, um, We've been so fortunate in that we've been we've been afforded this luxury to be able to explore all these things that we want to do, and 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 starting with beer and 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 doing these things, and 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 our team at Finback has been 
you know, superb. Like they, they together have allowed us, you know, to kind of do these things. Right. And, and, and I think we've got people on our teams who we really want to, and I hope that we, you know, I don't think we're there yet, but I hope that we can continue nurturing this is, which is, you know, we want to give everyone the opportunity to, to be able to kind of grow and explore these things. Cause I think ultimately that's what makes FinBack interesting right? Is that this kind of, um, you need certain kinds of creative energies to keep anything relevant, I think. Yeah. Right. And so to be able to form that platform or, or kind of group that feels comfortable doing that is super important. Um, and so, so I feel like in some ways, I feel like we've been so lucky in that we've been able to continue doing that, that, that there isn't like, there isn't like a piece of advice that I'd be like, oh, you know, if only, but I do think that like, being able to just kind of really be kind of nimble and fast and 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 try to like get resources to like jumpstart things, right? Because I feel like a lot of times we ultimately, you know, things fizzle because we don't give them, you know, the the kind of energy that they need from the beginning. And 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 that to me is like a disappointment because I feel like there's so many wonderful projects all of us want to do. You know, whether it's me or other people on the staff or team or whatever, that I feel like if we could just somehow figure out how to like do them all <laughs> and be and kind of like, you know, have the kind of infrastructure, right, set up that we can kind of attack them. I think that would be, you know, a really great kind of environment to like, you know, explore the things that we like. Because I think people, right, people, people enjoy things when they're interested in them or when there's like kind of a, a you know a, a creative project that you can sink your teeth into and i feel like being able to nurture that is so important yeah i was just thinking of that the analogy of you know it took nine years to to ever see a architecture project to fruition does it finally feel like finbox become a building that you could actually look at <laughs> <laughs> that that finished project it feels like there's probably still a long way you still got a roof to build we did yeah 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 here and there you know i think architects also um you know kind of uh for architects the building is never finished and actually i like that about i like that about finback in that it's um it's like we're constantly putting on additions and that to me is you know as long as we can keep going that like i really do feel like i'm still uh enjoying every minute of it you know it's it's it really is like you know certainly there are a lot of mundane things and and challenges and you know and not everything is like you know unicorns and ponies every day but like but 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 really i feel like um it's been such a fun and rewarding kind of thing yeah it's been it's been yeah okay so last question basil thank you so much for taking the time to do this it's it's really good that we to be able to do this in person feels like feels awesome so last question it's a big one you're at a bar they serve every beer that's ever been made or they can create any beer that you would like to be made that may have never been made there's a tv flashing in the corner and suddenly a news flash comes up and says a comet's about to hit earth and wipe us all out in an hour and the barman steps up and he says what are you drinking? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a flip on yeah. the desert island beer. Yeah. But I feel like there needs to be more, you know, this choice matters. So this, this could be your last beer. <laughs> I'm trying to think like I, I would, it would probably, ooh, the last beer. See, this is where, this is where I feel like I am. Um, would it be a warm blue ribbon? Is that it? 
<laughs> no way. No, no. Um, you know, I guess the question is, do I want something that's just going to be, you know, that uh, it's like, do you want like a super, you know, is, this is going to be like a, you know, do I want impact or do I yeah. want just what I'm going to enjoy? Yeah. You know, because if this is your last beer. Maybe you should just get like high impact, you know, and like, <laughs> I'm not going to get any more. You just want you know? that experience of but, um, one last time. I think it's probably maybe it'll be like uh you know it probably wants to be like a you know like a, a I mean it would be it's something light mm-hmm. a pilsner or a lager maybe maybe like a dry hop saison dupont or something like that nice yeah and that's it that's probably the it. end of the world that's it we're done yeah, or maybe it would just be like a shot of mezcal, but <laughs> or a bottle. You know, yeah. So it's just yeah. Me out now. Um, thanks so much, Basil. This has been awesome. Uh, I appreciate it so much, mate. Thanks so much. And that's it. Another episode done. Yeah, the New York theme is really running hard through these episodes. I don't know if everyone's been with us from the beginning, but we've we've covered it quite a quite a lot now, um, and. There is more to come. <laughs> Maybe I just need to do a big New York episode or something. It's such a fascinating city. I guess it's the center of so much of modern culture, including beer. So it's cool to, to feature it so heavily. And you know, the people are great. The beer is great. So why not? Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to Tom Couch for the production on this. Uh, we'll be back next week with another, another episode. I, if I can get my words out. Um, thank you again. If you want to share, like, do whatever with this episode, it's much appreciated. And as ever, stay thirsty.